I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey guys, how you going? Welcome to Tell Me A Tales podcast. Thanks for joining me for another week. This week's conversation episode is with Nick Brown. Nick's uh, located all the way over in Vancouver at the moment, so I think he was the first Canadian resident. He's a New Zealand bloke, born and bred though, but living over there at the moment. But yeah, definitely one of the only internationals we've had on the podcast so far. The reason I wanted to get Nick on the podcast was to hear his experiences and his stories about when he completed all six of the big marathon majors all over the world. So um, if you don't know what that means, that means Nick has ran Tokyo, Boston, London, Berlin, Chicago, and New York Marathon. He um, ran his first one in 2010 and finished off the big six in 2015. And his average time for them is um, pretty quick. I'd, just off the top of my head, I reckon it would be about 2.35. He ran 2.26 at Tokyo, 2.29 at Boston, 2.44 at London, 2.33 at Berlin, 2.34 at Chicago, and 2.39 at New York. So plenty of good stories around running and um, what to experience in those major marathons. Uh, Nick and I did record this earlier on in the year and um, it's taken a while to for me to release it but I still think you're going to get a lot of out of Nick's knowledge and um, Nick's experiences in these big races. Hope you enjoy this one. If you do, reach out to him on um, social media and let him know that you heard him on uh, Tell Me Your Tales and we'll talk again next week. Cheers guys. Nick Brown, welcome to Tell Me Your Tales. Hey, Brady. Thanks for coming nice on. Nice to be here. No trouble. All the way from Vancouver, Canada. Yeah, yeah. Bit of a time change. Yeah, it is. What time is to, it over there yesterday. now? It's still Wednesday evening, 8 p.m. Yeah, 
and we're recording this at Thursday, pretty much um, 1 p.m. over here in Australia. So it's um, it's good to have a long distance uh, chat. Yeah, yeah. What's uh, been on the agenda so far today? Oh, I guess your day's nearly over. The day is nearly over. It's been a, a big work day, unfortunately, which has affected training, but uh, it's okay. I'm on a bit of a, yeah, a wind down into a taper for uh, Ironman. And is that the first Ironman you you got coming up? Two weeks, is it today? Yeah, um, two weeks from Saturday. Saturday, yeah. I'm gonna head down to down to Texas and try and exercise for a whole day without stopping. <laughs> ah, and um, what's the thinking behind doing an Ironman? Oh, it's a bit of a progression from the competitive running scene. Um, just the last few years, I've had some pretty sort of niggly chronic injuries with my calf muscle and um, not being able to put in the training. I feel it's necessary to run run more marathon PBs. And, uh, of course, like a lot of runners know, when you're injured, you do a lot of cross-training. And it got to the level where I thought, oh, I'm doing quite a lot of biking and swimming. I might give triathlon a little go. And... Yeah, so I did a couple last year with some relatively good success for a non-swimmer and non-cyclist. And one thing led to another, and now you're signing up for Ironman Texas. Yeah, yeah. No, it's um, yeah, it's it's quite good. I've done a lot of running and achieved a lot of goals in this in just running, and it's um. It's been quite refreshing to have a new new challenge. Yeah, I think that's healthy as well. Sometimes, you know, changing your perspective and focusing on different events. And um, we'll touch on that maybe now. Did you maybe want to introduce yourself and just give us a bit of a quick bio just to let the listeners know exactly who you are? Sure. Um, I'm Nicholas Brown, originally from New Zealand, born and bred in Otago, uh, went to the University of Otago. And worked in Wellington for a few years and then moved to England and lived there for a year and a half and then back to Australia, lived in Melbourne for two years and for the last coming up five years I've been in Vancouver, Canada. Yeah, awesome. Um, Do you want to maybe go through the bit of the running journey as well? Yeah, so always sort of loved the running. Um, I still remember as a kid at primary school trying to get my friends to go and run laps with me around the school school grounds and um, I think I was eight or nine and I joined the local athletics club and that was my sport for about yeah until the end of primary school when I got to high school and it turns out that running was a whole lot harder when you hadn't had puberty and all your competitors had so I didn't really do much running through high school and started university and at the University of Otago in Dunedin and yeah found running again I think my first event was a 26 kilometer mountain race around the the mountains around Dunedin and my second race was a half marathon and then I started track the following summer and that's where I sort of found my niche found out what I was naturally best at and that was the middle distance running 
Yeah, yeah. So like 800 and 1500 meters, 3Ks, like pretty impressive PBs, 155, 355 and 836. So you definitely enjoyed those middle distance events? Yeah, definitely. I was naturally more on the 800 side just from a lack of endurance. And then the 1500 and um, 3000 meter times came after sort of three or four years of aerobic development and yeah. improvement. And what was it like, the running scene in New Zealand at that time? Because you always hear about, you know, the Arthur Lydiard, um influence and just how strong it was. And obviously the weather's almost ideal for middle and long distance training and the environment, the hills, the mountains. Was it a good time growing up in New Zealand and getting introduced to running that way? Yeah, definitely. Like I, I find, found New Zealand to have a great club running scene. So all the different towns or well, the cities had multiple running clubs that you could join. And then you got the older people that pass on the culture and the, and yeah, very much a prevailing push for the Arthur Lydiard, um, philosophies. And yeah, you sort of pick all of that up and getting involved in the, the athletic scene just summer track meets every Saturday at the Caledonian ground in Dunedin and then working through to the the Athletics New Zealand classics in Hamilton and Dunedin and Christchurch and uh, Wellington as well so that that was sort of the structure of the season working towards nationals each summer yeah right and um I know when I met you, I met you up at Falls Creek, I think, for the first time up at that altitude camp. And when you had kind of described the different places you'd lived in, the different kind of training camps you'd been to, all these massive international marathons that you'd raced in, I must admit I got quite jealous because it just sounded like you were living the the best lifestyle ever, just travelling around, living in different countries for a couple of years at a time and really enriching yourself in those cultures and then moving on and getting to experience some really massive events in the running world. Do you want to maybe, I guess, first up, what did you study at university? So how do you go about jumping around different jobs that you've had in the past? And then um, maybe the second part of this question is if you just want to maybe tell the listeners the international marathons you've done because it's a massive and, um, yeah, pretty impressive list of races there. Yeah, sure. So at university, I hung around for a long time. I was there for seven years <laughs> figuring out what I wanted to do. And uh, during that time, I finished a commerce degree with majors in finance and IT. Then I went on and did a post-grad diploma in IT. And uh, by that stage, I, I was pretty heavily involved with my local running club and the regional uh running association athletics otago and i was thinking oh maybe sport management would be a better career for me so i actually did a physical education degree uh, majoring in sport and leisure studies which is sort of sport management in, in that program and yeah during those two years i i discovered sport management wasn't the career i thought it might be and decided that IT would be a good career for me, but um, yeah, also realized that I had a very, very strong passion for running and 
I'd like to, yeah, have a career that was very, that allowed me to keep, keep following my passion. And IT is definitely allows for that. If you, if you choose the right job, you can have that sort of morning training, nine to five recovery, sitting at a desk all day, and then our training again in the evening. So that's, yeah, during and my that's time what at you're university. Doing now? Yeah, and that's, yep. that's what I'm still doing now. And um, yeah, I've been very, very fortunate to be able to gain transferable skills. Um, that's a great thing with the IT industry is that it is very international. You're not, you're not restricted by nation. Uh, like you are in other careers like medicine and law and accounting even, um, where, where you get stuck in this, the rules and regulations of, of your country. And so, yeah, my, my specialties transferred really well uh, across to England initially. And it was actually in England where I, where I decided it was time for me to do marathons. Um, I, I'd, yeah, finished running track at the end of 2000, uh, at the start of 2008, the, the end of that summer. And yeah, sort of other life things had come up. Uh, I'd bought a house and I was renovating that and I had a new job and work was sort of getting a little bit heavy and yeah, so I sort of stopped running and moved to England and everything changed and I was able to start running again. And one fateful Sunday morning, I got up and I I was watching, I think it was the 2009 London Marathon live on BBC and just, it looked amazing. It looked so, so good. And I was, I was like, right, next year I'm going to do London Marathon and I'm going to try and break 2.30 because I knew that was a sort of barrier for someone of, of my ability. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that was, like, April 2009. I, I started that, that journey of marathons. And, yeah, since then, I, I got to London. Uh, that, that ended up being my second marathon and still possibly my favourite Um mostly because of low expectations for all the listeners. That's the, the key to a, <laughs> a, a good race experience is having very low expectations. Well, you just and said that your expectations were sub 2.30, and I'm just looking here, and, you know, you ran 2.44, so that probably yeah, contradicts no, itself a bit. No, I had um, – so the first marathon was a, meant to be a practice in order to know what was required to run 2.30, I think I had the wall really bad. As yeah, everyone was, does in that first marathon, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I think I finished up with a sprint finish. It was, it was crazy. But uh, after that, I knew I, I had a lot of work to do for 2.30. And so running through the English winter, and we got a bit of snow and ice and got picked up a bit of ITB, um, ITB knee from running on the ice. So... Yeah, I, I didn't do the preparation for London, and I think it, it had been like three weeks of training beforehand, so my expectation was like, oh, let's just 
break three hours, have a good time, enjoy the experience. And that's exactly what I did and nearly got a PB. Yeah, just missed it by um, eight seconds. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I wasn't even thinking about running a PB on that day. I was out there having fun. Sure, I passed like a thousand people in that <laughs> in that middle half half marathon, and yeah, running through the the docklands with the the steel drums blaring. It was uh, yeah, very yeah. good. And I I had um, who was there? Oh, my mother was visiting with her sister from New Zealand, so they were on the course watching me. I had friends watching me, cousins who were living in London at that time. So, yeah, lots of good memories of that race. Yeah, awesome. So that, and that's the main reason I wanted to get you on the show because I think you've ran nine marathons, is that correct? Nine, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. No, about 14. Um, 14. Yeah, that's I think good. I've got 14 <laughs> on the list here. Um, yep. But you're the only person I know that's ran all six marathon majors. So I was hoping we could maybe spend some time unpacking each of them you've just pretty much done that with london but i want to go back to the start how did you even get into london in the first place because isn't it super hard to get into well if you're living in england and i was part of a, a club while i was there it's it's quite easy for a more competitive runner um london marathon is always the english or the uk marathon champs so if you've got a sub 115 half marathon or sub 245 marathon, you get a, a straight entry. I think it was only like 25 or 30 pounds or something. So relatively cheap and guaranteed start at the front. And yeah, it's yeah no problems at all for me to get into that race. Awesome. Um, yeah. And after that, I think I, I wasn't thinking about doing the grand slam of all the ma all the majors at that stage. But um, after London, a f few months later, I moved to Australia and yeah, started started thinking about it as something I wanted to do. Okay, so that was planted pretty early, just after the first one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think. I moved to Melbourne and Melbourne Marathon became my target for that, uh, was that spring for the Southern Hemisphere? And I don't know if, if your listeners do the two marathons a year um, plan, but usually it's comes time to taper or, yeah, taper for one of your major marathons and you start thinking about the next one it's like oh what's, what's going to keep me going once this is over and that, that's usually when i would would decide and then as time goes on and you start planning for the the big marathons overseas you have to start thinking about it a year to a year and a half in advance in order to get your name in for the lotteries and uh, organize flights and accommodation and work schedules and all of that sort of stuff yeah it's crazy especially when you're based in australia trying to you know massive flights over to the states or europe or oh, i guess yeah, tokyo is yeah. a bit easier but um yeah you got to plan yeah. i'm thinking now what marathon am i going to do next next autumn it's um it's crazy yeah yeah no my um my training diary goes a year and a half in advance so i can start start putting races on the list for 
that, that far ahead. Tell me more about London, mate. Like, were the crowds just loud the whole way? And, like, because it's, it's pretty hilly too, yeah. isn't it? Well, it's, it's not too bad. Like, at the start, it's rolling down to London Bridge. And then after that, the it's not super rolling. Uh, you got you got a few tunnels, but uh, nothing like um, Run for the Kids and and Melbourne or anything like that. It's, yeah, it was just like a sort of gradual downhill and gradual uphill. Yeah, who won it that year? Can you remember? Two thousand ten. Uh, possibly Kibiti. Yeah, I'm not sure. Would have been quick though. It's always quick, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just although I find London, they get such a stacked field that it's they they go too quick. Yeah, and then they and then blow up. And I love reading that uh, the South African website. I think it's Science of Sport. Yeah, and he does Ross the analysis Tucker. on it. Yeah, Ross Tucker talking about the physiology of the best runners in the world and even even they can just what less than five seconds per 5k is enough to push them over the edge yeah and how they yeah they're just spectacular though how what sort of athletes those fast marathon runners are yeah and were you on the same start line as those guys or do they let the elites off and then they have that is it a championship start at london yeah, I, th- I think I actually don't remember if we were behind the elites. I think we got out because there's two starts for London, and I think we were like the uh, the English champs has one start, so you're right, like the fastest English people are right on the front of the start line. Yeah, and then I think the pros are across at the other start line. Yeah. Okay, so then you moved to um, Melbourne, how you mentioned, and trained with the Melbourne University boys all through our winter and then hit Melbourne in 228. Massive improvement. Yeah, no, that was, yeah, I was very, very happy. Uh, I moved to Melbourne and um, got put in touch with Lisa Waitman and Lachlan MacArthur. Pretty good company. Yeah, very good company turned up and started training with them and they suggested Melbourne University and I got to meet Zachar and Hamish and the crew and um, yeah, got along really well with all of them and had a really solid winter of training and really good results and then I think I did the, a half marathon about five weeks out before Melbourne Yeah, that just, would have been Burnley Yeah, Burnley and it, was, it went really bad did it? Was, <laughs> and so, like, it, it was bad enough to change my goals for Melbourne. I was like, oh, there's no way I can run sub 2.30 if I, I can't even break 1.13 for a half marathon. And so I, I kept training and then turned up on the day and Melbourne was just, it was perfect conditions, overcast still. And, yeah, I think from 10K to 30K probably would have been close to, close to PB half marathon pace and held it together to the end. Yeah, was that a year that Lisa ran it as well? She ran like 226? No, I think it might have been a year or two later. Okay, yeah. We she did that, yeah. Um, yeah, because that was a good day. There was, I think Zacha was in that same pack and they just um, went for it. Yeah, yeah, I remember watching that on the, the internet. Yeah. Some of the coverage. Very impressive run. Um, 
And then your next big one was Boston in the spring after. So you've just done the 228. At that stage, you would have definitely known that you were in to run Boston. Yeah. Um, so that was the year Boston sold out. So they didn't have the graduated application process. And I had forgotten to, to look the night before. And so I got up in the morning, which is probably five hours after after the entries had opened and it was sold out oh, already <laughs> so yeah it's like going to a music festival or something you know when you yeah well i didn't think didn't think it would sell out it's like it, it had never sold out before and so of course i thought the same would happen and is this good for age as well so you've got the good for age time yeah, yeah. which is the only way to get into boston isn't it Pretty much. So um, I I bought a travel package. Yeah, which was very expensive, but uh, yeah, that that was my passion and my goal, and I'd set the goal, but hadn't got an entry, and it was like, oh well, you, you have to do what's necessary to to get there. And then later on, I found out people who were slower than me had complained to the race organisers and they'd, they'd gotten elite elite starts. So that was a little bit disappointing. I could have been starting with all the professionals. Yeah, if I, especially if with your 228 from um, Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I don't think you'd, you'd get it now, but I think for that, yeah, a lot of um, sort of the, the, the fast local runners were, were getting elite starts just because um they they weren't able to enter in time yeah um, right that's interesting isn't it yeah so I've, ever since then i've been, i've asked <laughs> if um, there's a chance for an elite start always ask for just it. definitely ask for it so then you went out and ran 229 at boston which is probably you know that's a hilly course isn't it yeah yeah it was, you would have been um, happy with that not especially okay. as, as the years as the years have gone on i've i've been more happy with it um when i first did it i think i went through halfway in about an hour yeah sub one twelve thirty. so i was like on like it's a downhill first half so it's it's pretty aggressive timing like if you can run even splits at boston you've probably gone pretty conservative for the first half um so yeah like i i thought i was going to do pretty well i was running strong and then i think I, it might have been maybe 34 35k and things started getting really really hard just <laughs> sort of that that's the the tough thing with boston is those downhills they really they beat up your beat up your legs everyone yeah. talks about heartbreak hill but uh it's the downhill beforehand that i think is the hardest part of that marathon yeah right and it um those what stage is that heartbreak hill at uh heartbreak hill is probably 30k so you, you get you go through 20 miles on your way up heartbreak hill yeah yeah not a good stage to be hitting the hill especially if your legs are wrecked from um, the downhill yeah, yeah, but um, there was the uh, Ryan Hall ran two oh four, and the two guys day? ran two oh three. Yep. So, 
I still credit that that big tailwind with getting me sub 230. Yeah, and was it big? Because I've heard like some people like, yeah, it was massive, but then other people like, nah, it's been been overplayed a bit. No, it was like I find if you're going running and you and you don't really notice any wind or any breeze, that you've got a pretty strong tailwind, yeah. and, that, and that's how it felt for me the the whole race. Yeah. Um, so did you run 229 off like the mass start entry that day or did they still, were you in a no, different you, you still get corrals. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I got to start right at, right at the front, right behind uh, elites. So, yeah, it would have taken me just a couple of seconds to get across the start line after the gun. Yeah. And what was the crowd like in Boston? You often hear that it's just um, insane. Isn't don't like yeah. uni students are like standing on the road and stuff like that, <laughs> yeah, offering yeah. kiss on the cheek past the thirty-five k mark and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's a girls' college um, early Wesley? on in the race. Wesley, I think like that. Wesley College, yeah, yeah. maybe twenty k into the race, nineteen k, and yeah, that's it's so hard to like you get that crowd noise to just chill out because you're on a downhill. It's before halfway. You've still got so much energy. And, um, yeah, it's you get a big pump of adrenaline. It's <laughs> hard to keep that under control. I could imagine. But, yeah, just the, the, the whole Boston experience is pretty pretty cool. You're, you're up very early, uh, queuing to get in one of the one of the big yellow buses, the school buses that take you out to the start. And then you, yeah, twenty six miles in a school bus is is pretty intimidating. You it's, sort of um, think, well, it's pretty cool though. Back. Yeah, so you're in a bus full filled with your fellow competitors, and yeah, hang out in the tent city waiting for the call up. Um, and yeah, it's about another mile walk to the start line, and then it's it's all on back to back to Boston City. Back to the start. And the crowd's pretty good the whole way? Yeah, there, there's quite a bit of countryside between the, the start and uh, the start and the finish, but all the little towns, as you are getting closer and closer to Boston, the crowds get bigger and bigger. And then once you're downtown Boston, it's just madness. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the years I've done it, it's been nice weather. And, yeah, yeah especially the second time I did it, that was – yeah, a scorcher of a day, and the crowds were enormous. Yeah, so while we are on Boston, you went back in 2012 and ran 4.11. What happened? <laughs> Is that a bit of a social run? or? Well, that's a, that's a summer of injury, and um, that was when I was moving from Melbourne to Vancouver and had a holiday planned, and I was like, oh, I'm going to be in Boston around that time anyway. I may as well enter again. And, um, yeah, the, the training didn't really go to plan for that. But I was healthy enough to to run, so I was healthy enough to get to the start line. Um, but, yeah, it was a, a hot day. I wasn't acclimatized and I wasn't fit. And I still tried to – I think I – Started out for the first 10 miles at about 2.45 pace. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, I, I dropped down to about 
250 pace by 21k so that's 5k later and then by about 25k i was thinking oh just run to the finish stop stop having time goals if you yeah maybe sub three if you're lucky then i got to heartbreak hill and heartbreak hill is actually three three climbs and i think the second one i started walking by the third one i was walking very slow and i got to the top and i was like oh it's all downhill now you can you can start running again and i i couldn't all i saw was was some shade about three lanes over on the other side of the road and i walked straight to the shade and sat in the gutter i was just cooked literally and um yeah definitely overheated underprepared and sat there for about two or three minutes cooling down a little bit and then i stood up and took a few steps and was like oh no i better sit down again and uh yeah i think my slowest ever 5k during that time um with boston being point to point it was like well there's no other way to get home you have to finish yeah well that's did you have any family or friends or anything there with you yeah yeah i had my girlfriend at the time and i had a friend who was also running and um and his wife and i think they waited till about three hours at maybe the 40k mark and i hadn't gone past and they were like oh maybe we missed him yeah we'll go see if he's finished um but no i was still walking along taking sit down breaks in the gutter <laughs> um but yeah i I got there eventually with my one hour 5k from 30 to 35k. One hour 5k. Yeah, Yeah, it was pretty messy, but um, I got super sunburned as well. Yeah, uh, right. I didn't know that. When I read that, I thought, oh, he's gone over there and ran it with a cousin or a friend or something. You've just jogged around in four hours 11. I didn't know it went like that. No, it was... uh, a little bit too much ego and a little bit of heat stress. So you wouldn't recommend uh, people having a crack at Boston and going off the line if you're um, not fit enough, haven't done the Yeah, work. Yeah, or well, like all marathons, don't don't try and run a half an hour faster than your fitness because you'll, you'll end up running an hour slower than your fitness. Yeah. So then your next big one, mate, or well, after that you did loss, or you did Auckland, so obviously you are back home for a while, a 2.41 there. And then Vegas at 2.47 and Vancouver at 2.31. And then Chicago, 2.34, was your next big one out of the big six. Yeah, yeah. So Chicago was a, a, another comeback from injury. I think I spent about six, six weeks of solid training before that. And it went a whole lot better than I expected. Um, I actually made a few dietary changes after doing some reading um it wasn't yeah essentially just trying to become a bit more fat adapted so i was i was doing my long runs in a fasted state and i was i cut out quite a lot of the processed carbs from my from my diet so i wasn't really having breakfast cereals or bread or pasta or rice um, still having my my daily cookie or muffin, but um, and desserts and baked goods on special occasions. 
But yeah. uh, just, and how did you feel in training and stuff? Did you notice a difference? Well, you get super hungry on the long runs, but um, apart from that, yeah, I sort of adapted and yeah, got to Chicago and didn't hit the wall. And yeah, I can I can definitely correlate that with the that sort of fat adaptation and the sort of carbohydrate sparing and improvement in efficiency in the yeah 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 we could do a whole other podcast just about that stuff i reckon yeah yeah, did you get a bit of that from tim noakes and um uh, jared schofield i think yeah it was sort of before it became pretty big but just logically it made it made sense it's like hey we we use different yeah, there's carbohydrates and fats to fuel our exercise, and the carbohydrates are, are what give us our big bang for our buck. But there's not enough to do a, a whole marathon. So if you can sort of become a bit more efficient through burning fats a bit more efficiently, and yeah, getting a bit fitter as well. Yeah, and I, I think for a lot of athletes, it, it just happens naturally from training a lot but for someone like me who's never really been able to get that get that really big mileage and get get the um i i guess the training with low low glycogen um yeah i had to change my diet in order to get do the training with the low low glycogen levels and get that adaptation. Yeah, so, awesome. Yeah, and then um, Chicago, obviously, you just said it worked. You didn't hit the wall. Two thirty uh, four after being injured a bit and um, pretty good return. You'd have to think. Yeah, no, I, I was really happy. And then um, I think it was, I think Tokyo had been. I'd been drawn for Tokyo at that stage. Okay, so, so in, yeah. That was February. Um, and, yeah, so super excited. A, a friend and I, we both got drawn out of the lottery to, to go there. So just back on Chicago, how did you get into that one? Was that just enter or lottery? or? Uh, so Chicago has a, a semi-elite um, corral that you can get into if you've run fast enough. So I think it was sub 234 sub 230 or sub 71 or something like that yeah and um you get to start directly behind the elites you get a a, you get a tent and extra drinks and that sort of stuff uh no no drink tables but just a place to leave your gear yeah and yeah so that was that was pretty cool going to chicago and getting the getting a bit of special treatment at yeah, a world marathon major. What about the um, course and the crowd support? That was good? Yeah, it's um, a very flat and windy course. So you're really uh, crisscrossing around the city. And, yeah, I, I don't really remember the crowds there as much as I do at other races. But I, I do remember the race and just being surprised with how well it went from my 
lack of preparation. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So then let's get on with Tokyo then, which is, of course, your PB, two hours 26.37. Um, I guess you must have come off Chicago pretty well. The oh, It would have been their autumn over there beforehand and then hit Tokyo in um, oh, our autumn, but their spring. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, yeah, after Chicago, I, I did a bit of cross country and, and that went pretty well and um, to Canadian National Cross Country Champs here in Vancouver in December, and then a couple of weeks off and went to Australia to see my family for two weeks. So I got some good hot weather training in over there. Is that when you went to Falls Creek? No, that was the summer before. Okay, yeah. So um, the following year I went to Falls Creek and... Yeah, I came back to Canada after two weeks in, in Australia and I did a race, I think almost that first week back and yeah, cracked 26 minutes for 8, 8K. I was like, whoa, that was, that was pretty good. And then I uh, had organized a trip down to Arizona for another half marathon as my, as my sort of fast race before going to Tokyo. I went down there with my friend that I was going to Tokyo with and sort of out of the blue broke 70 minutes for the first time. And I was like, whoa, this is, yeah, just that combination of a sort of the updated diet, the consistent training, a bit of heat training in Australia and everything was coming together so well. And so I, I had big expectations for Tokyo. Like I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to PB. I just have to execute on the day, get that nutrition right, and it, it'll fall into place. And then, yeah, I got to Tokyo and it was cold and there was still snow on the side of the streets, but um, everything was dry. The weather was perfect. And, yeah. It all come got together to, for you. Yeah, got to run around Tokyo on closed roads. Yeah. And boy, that city's big. How did oh, you get into uh, that one for starters as well? Was that ballot? Yeah, that one was a ballot. That one was very lucky. Yeah. Although I think about uh, how hard it is to get into that. I think uh, foreigners have a have a better chance of getting in through that lottery. I think for a general person, it's like a one in ten chance. But um, yeah, I only heard of like one or two people two one or two foreigners that didn't get into tokyo yeah yeah and then the crowds like it's their national sport over there isn't it was it just massive yeah yeah like the the culture's different so it wasn't like super loud cheering but lots of lots and lots of spectators all with the polite clapping and yeah for the the whole duration of the course, there were spectators. Yeah. And how did that race pan out? Like you said at Chicago, you didn't hit the wall because of that different diet, but um, was it the same at Tokyo? Yeah, so same at Tokyo. And yeah, I was pretty proud of myself as well. Like uh, because I got in on the ballot, I was actually way back in Corral C. So I, I did a bit of pushing past all the people with their video cameras and 
I don't know, costumes and all that sort of stuff to get a bit close to the start. And I think it took me about 10 seconds to get across the start line. And, and, and that adrenaline and rush to get into open space. I actually passed the the lead woman. Yeah. So the men and women start at the same time at Tokyo and then at about, I think it was 4k. I saw the, the camera motorbikes go past and then a pack of at least, it must have been 50 people just rolled on past me. And because it's, it's the lead woman, all their paces, and then of course all the guys that think they can run as fast as the professional woman. Yeah, I've been one of those guys before. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you can run with the professional woman, but I knew at least two thirds of them couldn't, and I knew I couldn't. So I was like, no, hold back, just keep running your pace. And, um, yeah, that's that self-control at about 4K to let all of them go. And was it pretty and even? You, you go through in 73? Yeah. 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 Spot Very on. even. Like 73, yeah, 73.10 or something like that. And then the second half was like 73.20, 73.25. So just, I got, I think I passed maybe 30 or 40 people in the second half. Yeah is yeah really good for the motivation as you're passing all these little elite japanese guys yeah yeah and they they run it that way too don't they they just go out super hard and detonate yeah yeah it's um yeah there's always someone who's having a bad day in a marathon yeah for sure just got to make sure it's not you yeah, yeah, that's easier said than done. Yeah, especially, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So you have four marathon majors here now, two to go. New York later that year in, um, when was that, November? Yeah, yeah, so New York was my second attempt at doing it. Uh, the they first time, the first time? Well, the first time I was in New York, I picked up my race packet. Um, it was the week of Hurricane Sandy. Yeah, right. So I picked up my race packet. I walked home. By the time I got home, uh, my neighbour in the Airbnb I was staying at, he was like, oh, did you hear the race has been cancelled? And I was like, oh, no, it hasn't. Everyone, because um, people have been saying, oh, it's probably going to get cancelled, blah, blah, blah. I was like, what, I've got my race packet. And he's like, no, no, I'm sure, I'm sure. So, of course, I look up the race website and it said, New York Marathon cancelled. I was like, oh, my goodness. Coming all the way over from the other side, other side of the of the North America. Yeah, but uh, that was a good weekend in New York. I, I had fun despite the marathon being cancelled. But getting there the second time, again coming off uh, an injury like I had before Chicago, but a lot less time to prepare. I think I'd done four weeks of preparation. Yeah, um, not great for a marathon build-up, four weeks. That's, that's not at all good. Um, but I I did a race myself into fitness program. I think I I had three weekends before the marathon, and I raced all three weekends. I think the first half marathon was 1 hour 19. Uh, the second week was at a, an 11K. The third week was another half marathon, which was 1 hour 17. No, maybe, yeah, maybe 116, I'm not sure. And then race day, the goal was to break 240, um, even splits. 
and yeah, I was able to execute in the wind. Um, yeah, heading over the bridge at, at the start of New York Marathon, it's very exposed, and uh, all the wheelchair races had actually been uh, moved, started on the other side of the bridge, just because of the dangers of being blown over from their disc wheels. Yeah, I remember waking up early and watching the stream of that one, and it was, um, yeah, it was just icy winds the whole way, wasn't it? Like 40 to 40k winds? Yeah, yeah. So, like, once you're in the city, you didn't notice it nearly as much. It was just that that first bridge where it was noticeable. Um, yeah, pretty chilly. I think I, I remember wearing gloves until about, yeah, 30 kilometres or so. And, but, yeah, that's a, it's a challenging marathon, the, the New York City one. Yeah, talk that's, us through that. Is that because the... Um the bridges and the hills yeah it's, and, yeah. it's the, the bridges and you finish in uh central park which has got some really good good rollers in it um it's neat uphill and yeah it's um it's great for competition though like yeah. for a racing marathon what Fantastic. about the crowds mate were they massive in new york as well yeah like once you get onto manhattan that's that's when the crowds really really get to you. you. You get off the bridge coming from I think it's it's Brooklyn across the bridge into Manhattan, and oh, it's fantastic. You got this nice long straight, huge crowds, and that's the that's the spot where you, you get all the advice to not get too amped up, just yeah. like the high school girls and. Yeah. Um, and in Boston, because yeah, you still you still got a good amount of distance to go at that stage. Is that twelve to fourteen k? Yeah, right. And then finishing in Central Park, good. Or those hills just take out any pleasure. Well, well again, my expectations were appropriate, and I executed the race with with even splits. So that second half of the race, I was passing lots of people. So I was feeling awesome. Just when you get to roll roll past people, lots of people in the second half of a of a marathon, it's so good for your ego. You're super excited. The crowd's going wild, and you're like, "Oh, maybe I can go faster. Maybe I can go faster." Yeah, um, there's something in yeah. that, isn't there? Just um, settling so down awesome. early in the middle and then pulling people in. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think it to to know what your fitness is and what your ability is 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 so yeah it takes time it takes experience and then when when you're coming in at not your best fitness you can get have a really good experience but when you're trying for for personal bests and trying to push your limits that's that's when you set yourself up for a disappointment but um, to get those those big breakthroughs, that's absolutely necessary. You have to yeah. put you yourself to, on the edge. Yeah, you've got to take the risks to get the rewards. Um, um, at that stage too, you would have known that you were in Berlin the following year, wouldn't you? They would have been drawn already. Uh, no, Berlin Berlin gets drawn. I think at the start of 
the year. So maybe okay, yeah. like February, March. Yeah. So, so I wasn't sure then, but, uh, as soon as I did find out, it was, um, pretty exciting. Like a, that, that was going to be my sixth and final. Uh, my sister was living in London at that stage and she was like, Oh, come and watch. And my parents were actually, they found out that it was going to be my last and decided like they, they'd been thinking about a Europe trip yep. and uh, decided to time it with, with my Berlin marathon. Awesome. So it was, um, yeah, Berlin was such a, such a great experience. Yeah, well, let's get to it. 2.33 was the finishing time, but how did it pan out? Obviously, you must have been fairly fit going into that one. Yeah, yeah. So 2.33 wasn't wasn't the plan. I, I was, like always, when you're mostly fit and at my ability, it's, yeah, I was hoping for a sub 2.30. Uh, the prep had been a little bit injury hampered with, with the chronic calf issue I talked about earlier and um, yeah I'd I'd done quite a bit of work but not the amount of work I wanted to do and but turned up on the start line was excited to be there Um, yeah done the planning pretty well I we we stayed in a Airbnb that was walking distance from the start and finish line so you yeah, I, I quite like that before marathons, sort of soaking up the atmosphere as you as you walk along um, the the streets to get to the the start line to drop off your bag and that sort of stuff. Did you get into Tear Garden for a few runs in the days leading into it? Yeah, yeah, I went for How a few, good's that few runs. Yeah, oh, it's so good. It's um, yeah, I. I'd like to go there just on a holiday one time, be able to do some workouts on, on that those nice gravel paths. Yeah, and it just goes forever. The paths are just yeah, yeah intertwined yeah. and people get out of your way who are on bikes. It's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah the week before a marathon, there's, there's not many workouts, so you're just uh, you're jogging around and sort of trying to spot the, the pro marathon runners that are in town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh Harris and I were doing some sessions before we were over in Berlin, or before we raced Berlin, and it was the same thing, just trying to um, take a few segments on Strava, and um, yeah, great fun. Nice. Um, so, yeah, tell us about, obviously I know a bit about Berlin because I've been there, but yeah, give us your, I don't know, interpretation of the race. Yeah, well, perfect conditions, perfect course. God, hey you you get there and you realize why all the fastest times in the world have have been run on that course it's just set up for you to do amazing like a nice circular course hardly any inclines or declines but enough of an incline and decline to sort of use use your different running muscles without using the same muscles for the whole 42K. Um, great crowd support. Yeah, it was Perfect. amazing, yeah. wasn't it? Fantastic Some of those corners that you take where there's cafes and pubs and there's just people five yeah. deep just yelling. It's, um, yeah. Yeah, it almost yeah. gave me goosebumps. I was just couldn't believe it was actually happening. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and it's it's those experiences why I, is is why I love the big city marathons because yeah, it's not very often. It's sort of once a year in those big cities that you you can run down the middle of a road and not get honked at or and have people cheer for you. Yeah, and it's, it's such a great experience to be part of it and and to share in like the achievements of what thirty thousand plus people. Yeah, it's um it's massive, and the way the city kind of just seems to embrace it, like there's just signs everywhere and bands and DJs and I'm sure it's all organised by the Berlin Marathon organisers but it just feels like everyone's there to support you yeah yeah no it's um a, a great event and yeah. I yeah just for me to be able to tick off number six of the marathon majors and still with friends and family on the other side of the world it, w- it was um, a yeah, very memorable experience for me. Yeah, so what was it like? You're going under the Brandenburg Gate there, 300 metres to go. Was it a bit emotional or like, because you've gone no, all over I, the world chasing them? I'd, I'd hit the wall. It was just like, God, let me finish. <laughs> There's no enjoying I, it. Uh, yeah, like the achievement was there, but the, the pain in the body was pretty high. It was like, oh. Damn it. Um, but, yeah, like, I guess it didn't really sink in until after, like, most bigger achievements, I think. It's after a bit of time, you've had some, you've been able to reflect on it and think of what a great experience it has been. And,. Yeah, I'm. At that time as well, did you have the fastest average in the big six? Yeah, I think I think for maybe one or two months, I was I was reviewing it and going, "Oh, I'm the fastest person ever to do all six marathons." But uh, then an older guy who. I think he has a Wikipedia page. He he put up all of his times that range from the 90s through to Tokyo Marathon in 2014 with me. I think I I passed him at maybe 20 miles or so. Yep. Um, and I, so I've got a photo with him, and I think his average was maybe two hours, maybe sub 220 or just like low 220s for the six marathons. Yep. And his Tokyo of two twenty seven was his slowest. Yeah, it's like, oh, going. He, he's a pretty pretty good marathon runner. And I think I, I looked recently, and I'm up, I'm down to about thirty cool for the fastest average time. Yeah. Well, Mike Wardian did them all last year pretty quick, didn't he? Like, didn't he do all six in the one year and average pretty yeah. good times? Yeah. I, um, I had I didn't see his name on the list, so maybe he just hasn't asked to to get his medal which i must say is the the flashiest medal i've ever received and i i've done hundreds of races so if anyone's wanting to do the marathon majors so that's, you that's a medal you like email getting. them and say look i've done them all here's my results and you know kind of accredited and then they send you a medal for it 
Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Just, just like Google that. on it now to have a look at it. Yeah, and you get a certificate and no, it's um very, very cool. Oh, it's, it's like six medals in one. Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's one. That's pretty cool. Have you got it so framed cool. and stuff in your house? Oh, just just sitting on the mantelpiece. Yeah, good. You'll be looking at that all the time. I reckon it'd be um quite to bring back some good memories. Yeah, definitely. It's what, six, five or six years it took me to get around the world and do those marathons. Yeah. So the next big question I've got, and I'm not sure if you're going to be able to answer it, is if you could only do one again, or which one was your favourite? I think London yeah. is, is the one I have the best memories of. Um, yeah, just where things went a lot better than I expected. Uh, having the friends and family spectating and, yeah, just the, the crowds and my first big city marathon yeah it's really awesome ah that's awesome mate and i also want to pick your brain because you've been in the running scenes in england melbourne and vancouver are there any massive differences or anything that you can pass on that's i don't know i know like you're doing that you're still doing the adidas stuff with um rob watson and that in vancouver yeah that actually got pulled so adidas pulled out of that program for vancouver yeah Um, because that looked awesome yeah, yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, the timing was ended up okay for me um, as I sort of started switching to the Ironman. But the the running community in Vancouver is fantastic, and Rob's sort of keeps keeps the group going on himself, and he does quite a lot of uh, coaching anyway. So yeah. That's that's my involvement in Vancouver from the sort of more social running side of things. Uh, from the competitive side, uh, I'm the president of my running club here in Vancouver. And, yeah, I guess we sort of fit that niche of competitive runners in the city um, that, that aren't really going to nationals but tend to do very well in the local races. Um, yeah, from the differences between countries, coming to North America was quite a change, just in terms of a, a lack of clubs. Yeah, right. So England, Australia, New Zealand, like their their running community is built around clubs and a club running scene, which is allows you to be a competitive runner have that social environment around it. Um, yeah, it's a, a lot less like that in North America. Um, if you're at college, it's definitely there. So that, especially track and field and yeah, track and field is set up for college kids and high school kids. But if you're an open runner, it's less, it's a lot hard to find meets. Um, and yeah yeah right um, and to get around Stanley Park a bit in Vancouver that'd be awesome to do sessions around wouldn't it oh yeah yeah no that's um, 
when I was moving here and looking for a, a place to live that, that featured very high on my um, requirements was being within running distance of Stanley Park. And, and since getting here, finding out the, how great the, the seawall is that goes right around there outside of the downtown core. Um, and then quite a lot of beachfront running that we have um, out along the city beaches. And then another big park out near the university. Um, yeah, the UBC endowment lands. So, yeah, we're awesome. very lucky here in Vancouver for our running environment. And while it's very rainy and dreary here, especially in winter, the it doesn't snow much. So we get to run outside all year round. Which is, yeah, that's awesome. Which is a, a bonus when you're living in North America and you're comparing yourself against the east coast and central canada and that sort of thing yeah um yeah you see some photos of some people putting stuff on instagram at flagstaff and uh, all oh, that yeah. and it doesn't doesn't look like much fun at all no and yeah just like the chances of getting injured running on ice and snow they're just exponentially higher yeah yeah pretty um i don't know we often um don't or we always don't have to deal with that over in australia it's kind of good sometimes we feel sorry for ourselves in the middle of winter but still it's pretty um pretty good for what some people are dealing with yeah yeah as long as it's not snowing or icy not icy you'll be okay yeah right right oh mate i reckon that's about it that's um some awesome content there for people who have got any of those marathon majors coming up where can people follow you? Actually, same questions I ask people every time. Any mantras or philosophies that you live by? Um, probably just do your best. Do what makes you happy. Don't do harm to other people. And, um, yeah, live your life to the full. Yeah, and you're certainly, as I said before when I met you, you're certainly somebody who... Um, just kind of lives life on his terms, does what he wants, chases things he's passionate about, um, gets to have all these amazing experiences, and, yeah, it's really motivating to chase your goals. Yeah, definitely. What about yourself? Um, Marathon majors on, on your um, list of goals? Yeah, I'm going to do Berlin again in September, so not really smart well, doing two of the same marathon major. But um, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's fast, though. It's fast. It was. It was just perfect last year. Like, the lead females going at kind of 220 pace, and I know the course now and know all those. I remember talking to you before the race about the start line and just all those little things that can kind of stress you out a bit. Um, I know all about that stuff now, and it works perfect training through our winter and our cross-country yeah, yeah. season and then hitting it in September. So... Yeah, hopefully you can go a few minutes quicker than last year. Be good to go under two twenty and Oh yeah. Definitely That'd be everyone. so exciting. Yeah. And the qualifier's two nine oh I'm assuming the qualifier's gonna stay at two nineteen for the com games at the start of um March in Oh wow, that would be awesome. Yeah, so but there's gonna be about ten blokes who'll go will go under two nineteen, but it'd just be good to get under and have the name in the hat and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I can't wait. But I'm looking at um boston next april that's my i'm kind of i know it's coming up in the next week or two and i know i've got to probably have my name in a ballot or entry soon so i'm kind of yeah yeah. For, uh, yeah it's, it's not too year. hard to not too hard to get into boston 
Yeah, um, with the times. With the times these days, and they they do the graduated um, applications. So if you're well under your qualifying time, like like you are, yeah, um, it's not a problem. But for someone of your speed, definitely send them an email. Say, hey, what can you do for a Aussie guy running sub two twenty? Yeah, yeah. No, that would be the plan. So just looking forward to. I love the marathon build up. It's um, it's good just switching off from the world and putting together 10 or 12 weeks of you know 160 180ks and really pushing yourself yeah yeah no it's um it's a challenge but i think anything that's hard to get is that much more rewarding and um that's that's how i feel about the marathon builds and the marathon races and it's all about that journey, isn't it? Like sometimes you just want the race to be over, but then it happens and, you know, you're at the finish line at Berlin and you're like, yeah, oh, kind of enjoyed training for that and enjoyed the race and you kind of get a bit sad when it finishes. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's why I've I've always got a marathon on the calendar. I, I get, get to the taper of one marathon and then choose the next one. So I'm yeah. uh, there, there's no sadness. There's no yeah. post-marathon blues. It's like, yeah. oh. I've got another one in six months. That's all right, isn't it? Beautiful, mate. And where can people follow you online if they want to? Um, you're pretty good on Instagram. Strava? Uh, yeah, I'm on, on Strava and Instagram. Um, I think Instagram is nbrown80, N-B-R-O-W-N-E-8-0, and everything else is nbrown1, N-B-R-O-W-N-E, the number one. Beautiful, mate, and um, good luck at the Iron Man. That's, uh, yeah, sounds a bit crazy. That'll, that'll be an adventure. Yeah, no, it should be good. Beautiful. Thanks for your time on a um, Wednesday evening over in Vancouver. No trouble at all. Thanks, Brady. Beautiful, mate.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 